The higher trust of that more like direct connection, sort of relationship-based model, along with the scale and scope and reach of the digital age, figuring out that marriage, that's mm -hmm. where it gets really, really cool. This is not like, oh, technology's terrible, I can't trust the internet anymore. This is like, no, 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 no. Now we're kind of maturing and we're figuring out how to combine those nodes of trust in a deeper mm -hmm. way with all of this scale and all of this reach. Hey everyone, thanks for joining the GTM News Show. I got Isaac here today. Hey Isaac. Hey, good to see you Taylor, great to be here. Looking forward to our conversation. So I brought Isaac on. He is the co-founder of Partner Hacker and he's also the chief market officer for Reveal. And actually Reveal I've been keeping an eye on for probably about a year and a half um, and, or a year or so. And a really cool partner integration tool, which if we have time today we can talk about. But I wanted to bring him on because their team has been evangelizing this new category or term called nearbound. And it uh, we'll kind of get into the nitty gritty of it today. But uh, in general, especially in this world of like marketing efficiency, right, and not grow at all costs and figuring out ways in the B2B world to uh, grow just more efficiently and more effectively partnerships along with other things like customer advocacy and, and other things that have not been maybe the forefront um, have been uh, have been have I seen a tremendous effectiveness in just ROI and overall marketing efficiency. So Isaac, uh, let's talk about Nearbound. What how where did the concept come from? Um, and then kind of give me a high level. What is it? Yeah, absolutely. So Nearbound is really a response to reality. <laughs> so rather than like, <laughs> hey, let's come up with some cool new theory or framework, the, the way the world has changed and it's happened kind of gradually, but it seems to have kind of accelerated in the last few years. And the way buyers buy has changed because of it. So if you kind of zoom out and look at like the digital, you know, the, the digital age, right? Let's say the last 20, 25 years where we now can do things digitally, which has enabled this mass explosion of information. And so for the first like couple decades of the digital era, I, I call that the how economy because buyers were primarily asking, how do I solve X? So if you're in like B2B software, uh, buyers are like, how do I solve this marketing automation problem? How do I solve this email newsletter problem? How do I solve this attribution you know, problem? And whoever had the best how answers typically won. So your search results came up first, uh, were the best, or you were ranked the best on a product review site, right? You had the best information going out to people. Maybe your email hit their inbox at the right time and you had the best email, you had the best you know, blog post or social post or ad that got in front of them. Your answers to how to solve a problem were if they won, you would win. I think after the digital age has matured, and we all like figure this out, right? Games get gamed. You had outbound, then you had inbound, and now people are so overwhelmed with data and information that if you ask how, you're, you're gonna get overwhelmed. There's too much. So like, you don't go Google, how do I solve this you know, uh, attribution problem that I have? And then whatever the best results are, oh, I'll just buy that product. Like nobody does that anymore because you can't, you can't rely on it. There's too much mm. out there. There's too much to sort through. So buyers have shifted to asking who, who can I go to? Who has solved this problem before that I trust? Who can help me get to the promised land? Maybe it's a, a person that they know personally, someone they work with or someone they used to work with. 
Maybe it's an agency they've worked with before. Maybe it's another vendor. You're using another software tool and you say, hey, we need to do this other thing. Do you have any recommended you know, tools that you integrate with? Maybe it's a podcast host like yourself, Taylor. But they're looking for people that they trust first and foremost instead of information. So Nearbound is a response to this shift, recognizing that, you know, I think uh, Canalys has this great uh, analysis of the buyer journey. There's like 28 distinct moments along the buyer journey. Mm -hmm. And your company, on average, is involved in like three or four of those moments. So who are, who's influencing those buyers in the other 24 moments? It's, it's usually not you. So if you can recognize, I need to tap into, partner with people my buyers already trust for intel, intros, and influence at every step along that buyer's journey. That's really nearbound, and it layers on top of both outbound and inbound plays by just recognizing I'm not going to be able to cut through the noise just going to my buyer directly or getting them to come to my information directly. I've got to reach them where they already live through voices they already trust and tap into those people that they already trust to help me influence them and ultimately close more deals. So that's nearbound at like sort of from the very highest level, bringing it down. I love it. Thanks for sharing. Super cool. Um, I think even this kind of thinking through this right now, and even this week, I've been thinking so much about, um, you know, content or just marketing in general. And so much of, especially the, with the advent of AI, you know, not only like, I feel like even pre-AI, we were just, we're inundated with information, right? Whether it's as a society, we just have so much information, so much content, um, and so many voices, right? And then now with AI, it's going to get even muddier and weirder and and even more hard to know um, who to trust, who not to trust, et cetera, et cetera. Any thoughts there on like just how AI is going to play into this and and uh, in regards to partnerships and, and whatnot? Yeah, I, I definitely sort of think, um, to your point, it's only going to accelerate it. So I think as of a couple of years ago, there was a study by Deloitte, and there's a humongous range, but... Um, that the average American sees between 400 and 10,000 ad impressions per day. So I'm, you know, it's depending upon like what kind of environment you're in, but either of those numbers is like <laughs> too much for your brain, right? Too much for your brain to process. So like cramming more info. And then in the, in the world of content marketing and all these things that the ability to produce more and more and try to game the SEO and all this, it's like our brains are tuning it out. We kind of understand. We call this 4.7 star syndrome. Like when you go to review sites and every single, everything is 4.7 <laughs> stars, right? You're like, okay, That's now I don't true. trust it as much. I'm discounting it a little bit because I know mm -hmm. companies have figured out how to kind of game these things. So I think it's only going to accelerate. And it's kind of, it's really interesting. It's like we were kind of like just learning how to deal with this world of open information everywhere and all the scale and automation and all the amazing things about it. And then we kind of like, pushed it to its max and the trust factor faded away. So we have a, a catchphrase at um, Partner Hacker, trust is the new data, right? Like the, the old data is the new oil. Like, well, now we're in this phase where trust is the new data. It's like data everywhere, ads targeted to me, all this different stuff. It's, it's too much and AI is gonna accelerate that. So people are kind of reverting back to kind of like pre-digital age, what did you do? You go ask somebody. I, I used to live in a rural town, not that a couple of years ago, and Literally none of the, none of the businesses were on Google. You couldn't find, like if you wanted a plumber or whatever, what you would have to do is like go down to the farmer's co-op and like hang around at the <laughs> counter for 20 minutes with a coffee and be like, Hey, I need somebody to do this. Who knows somebody. Right. And in a way we're kind of like returning to that, mm. but here's the beauty of it. The, the higher trust 
of that more like direct connection, sort of relationship-based model, along with the scale and scope and reach of the digital age, figuring out that marriage, that's mm. where it gets really, really cool. This is not like, oh, technology's terrible, I can't trust the internet anymore. This is like, no, 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 no. Now we're kind of maturing and we're figuring out how to combine those nodes of trust in a deeper mm. way with all of this scale and all of this reach. So I, I actually really like it. I think it only adds to the value of genuine connections and genuine content. The more mm. stuff that's just cranked out algorithmically, the more the really deep connections become even more valued. And that's why you need to be thinking about them and tapping into them in your strategy. And you know, that's, that's where the nearbound plays come in. Love it. Um, you know, if any, if there's any like sales leaders or even folks that run a small business that are listening to this, you all know that referrals are gold, right? Whenever you get a referral from a customer or a partner or somebody, former employee, whatever, and comes into your pipeline, it's like the conversion rates. Like no one needs to be convinced that referrals from somebody else are just gold, right? It's just, um, when I was an AE, I remember like, it was just like, you know, the chances of success are just so much higher. Um, usually it's a great fit client because they're people that are like your customers. Like there's all these different um, benefits from it or, or signals from it. And uh, so I think tapping into that and I love your, your balancing of like, how do we still use technology? How do we still use the digital era? How do we still use, you know, even, even like globalization, right? How do we still tap into people all around the world, companies all around the world, but do it in a way um, that is, uh, yeah, more, more human, more direct connection. I love, you have any principles in the nearbound concept that kind of breaks that down like best practices or, or things that people can look to, um, if they're looking to build out a partnership program. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. So, um, and we actually just dropped this on nearbound.com. So if you want to go to nearbound.com, you can get this uh, for free. You can even get it ungated. You don't even need to give us your email address. There's an option nice. to say, just give me the thing. I don't want to give you my email address. Um, so it's, it's called the nearbound sales blueprint. And basically the idea is like, all right, let's start with sales departments. How can you tap into relationships that you already have? Most B2B SaaS companies, they already have partnerships. They may not have a lot. They may not have a really robust program, but they usually have a couple companies that they have integrations with. Maybe there's a few agencies that they work with service providers that, you know, help their customers or do installs. And a really interesting stat looking on the reveal platform last year, uh, all of the new opportunities open 40% of all new opportunities open companies had one or more partner that already had a relationship with that account. So you open an opportunity with an account, one or more of your partners, 40% of the time already has a relationship there. Only 7% of the time, are partners actually a part of that deal? Are they getting pulled in? And, and, and that's where we see like the low hanging fruit. So if you're in sales, just given the existing network that your company probably has of partners, even if it's just a few, when you're, when you're opening an account, and this is, you know, the reveal platform lets you see the overlap. That's what fundamentally it is. It allows you to do account mapping with your partners and, and see where you have overlapping accounts. But if you're, if you're in an account and you're trying to win that account, the ability to say, hey, they're already a customer of these two partners of mine. Now we can, we call this the three eyes. There's three plays you can run. You can go look for Intel intros or influence from those partners. So you can reach out to the partner and say, Hey, I'm working on this deal with this company. I see that they're a customer of yours. You closed them last quarter. I'm really curious. I'm, I seem to be stuck with the CRO ghosting me. I'm really curious. Did you have this issue? 
you know, by the way, I'd be happy to help you. We have a customer that looks like an open opportunity of yours. I'd be happy to help you give some intel there as well. And you simply ask for intel, getting the answers to the test. And you've worked in sales. You know, if you walk into a meeting and you already know what the objections are going to be, you already know what the procurement process is like. If you've gotten that from someone who's been there before, how much better you are at working that deal. And then you can ask for influence. Like, hey, would you be willing to tell, you know, send this email I drafted for you to this person? And you can ask for intros, like the ultimate, right? If, if somebody, if you have a really good relationship, but there's good trust there, would you be willing to introduce me to this person, to get me into this, you know, to this account or to this uh, person that I'm having a hard time winning over? So, and we kind of detail exactly how to do that, how to, how to pick which partners you should focus on, how to bring them into accounts, email templates on running that. But that's the basic concept. It's like, you already have within your ecosystem, and it's not just partners, by the way. It goes for employees. It goes for existing customers. It goes for investors. There are people already in your network that have influence over the accounts that you're working right now, and you may not even realize it. And if you're not tapping into that and saying, instead of me just sending them direct messages and emails myself, can I go to somebody who has influence over them and say, would you be willing to, in the very least, give me some intel but would you be willing to help me? Would you be willing to help influence this deal? And kind of surrounding that account with influence from people they trust. That's, that's kind of the basic play, how it works. And in, you know, for partner people at SaaS companies, they often feel like they're just off to the side and no one cares about them. Sales and marketing are like, whatever. I don't know what you're doing. Like, get, send me some leads, whatever. Uh, and, you know, the salespeople are just running their sales game. And the partner people are often like, you should work with this partner. Nobody knows what that means. But if you reverse it and say, let's start from where the salespeople are, what accounts are they working? And the partnerships person can say, these are the three partners involved in this account. Here's what we know about them. Here's the things that we can do, right? And this, it applies to marketing as well. Can you do co-marketing together? Can you see where you have customer overlap and say, let's hit those people with a joint event that we do or a joint campaign, right? And you start to see how just recognizing who is surrounding your buyer helps you create strategies to work with them and bring them into the process. Uh, super cool. Uh, yeah, I haven't, haven't thought about kind of the reverse engineer of like, hey, where, you know, especially the low hanging fruit. And I immediately think of, um, you know, first I always ask, why why are partners not, why are partnerships not like, you know, the number one thing? And are people, why haven't people invested in them more to date? And I always think of, well, speed, right? It's not like it's, yep. it takes effort, it takes time, it takes all these things. And it's not like you can just, you know, blast out a bunch of emails or make a bunch of cold calls or put up a bunch of ads tomorrow, right? You have to actually build these relationships, et cetera, et cetera. So I'd love maybe to talk about that in a second. But I think what I really appreciate what you said about it's like, hey, start where, what's the low-hanging fruit, right? What are some deals that are in the pipeline right now? Let's figure out, you know, either using like a reveal platform or another form or even working with the partnerships team at the other company, get those introductions, work or, you know, your counterparts, the AEs or the sales teams at other companies. But um, so I love that starting there. I think, and maybe do you have any thoughts on, on, on the, the, playing the devil's advocate a little bit of like the objection of like, hey, the investment of partnerships and, you know, we want results now and, you know, the, we got to meet our this quarter's numbers and things like that. And uh, which I think is part of why we're in this situation of like, you know, why we're everyone's backpedaling because we haven't invested in the long term. We've only invested in the short term. But any thoughts on that of like, how, how can especially executives, how can leaders of, you know, go-to-market teams, sales leaders, CMOs, CEOs think about partnerships and like, hey, here's the investment you need to make, you know, wh what should be the payoff if they, let's say they have no partnership program, right? Or, yep. or a very small one. Yeah, that's, that's a really great question. And that's like one of the major, you know, roadblocks that I think partnerships 
uh, programs have faced is like, oh, you know, they always say, well, it takes a long time. And then, the, you know, the execs are like, well, show me the results. Look, the first thing I'll say is when people say, well, we need, we need results now. My question is, look at your goals for this quarter, for this year, whatever that number is, what's your number? Now look at the activities you've been doing and you have planned for outbound and inbound. If you continue to do what you've been doing, will you hit that number? This year, I haven't heard a single person that said yes. They all say no. And like, then what's your plan? Like, I know that the things I'm doing are insufficient to hit the number. Okay, so what, right? So like, that's the first thing. It's like, let's, let's make sure we're not uh, falling into the nirvana fallacy where we're mm. comparing an alternative and saying, eh, it, it, mm. it's not going to get me there. Well, compared to what? Compared to your, what you're currently doing isn't going to get you there either. So that's kind mm. of the first thing. Like, let's level the playing field. But then second, yes, it does take some time and it does take building up some trust. And that's where I think the interesting thing is the partnerships people, they're almost like building a repository of trust with those partners. And then the salespeople or the marketing people, they're kind of tapping into that trust. They're taking out withdrawals or they're, they're transacting that trust. And so in order to transact it, you do have to have some established, but it's easier than you might think to at least get started with a few and recognizing that partnerships it's not a department, it's a strategy, right? It's like something that needs mm -hmm. to be overlaid into all departments. You may have a partnerships department, you may have somebody whose job it is to build those relationships, build that trust, but you have to have as a strategy, the ability to tap into that trust and layer it onto your sales and marketing process and, and your success team and your product team, right? Like this is gonna guide all of these things. So when you think about that and you just like always start from where the buyer is, what do buyers want? Well, one, they want integrations, Two, they want to hear from people they trust, right? They, they would rather hear from someone they already trust than you trying to come in and, and break in, you know, cold. Uh, so like, if that's the way they're buying and they're behaving, you have to adjust to that reality. So that can be something as simple as, let's find a few companies, you don't even necessarily need to build a full-on integration. Let's find a few companies that are complementary to ours, where a lot of buyers buy both of our products and we're not competing. And you can do like fake integrations, right? Where people use the products together and they can be connected with a zap or something like that. Mm. And let's just go ask them, hey, let's, let's compare sort of our accounts. Let's see what we have in terms of overlap here. Can, can, we, can we do something together? Should we just test something out? Can we do a, a webinar together and see where it's going to be? Let's split the cost and let's double the reach. We both hit our list, we both, right? And then we can do follow-ups together. We can take those intent signals and say, hey, you know, customer of mine, not a customer of yours, I'll give you some help, vice versa. Like just starting really simple with a few plays and what you will find is better win rates, larger deal size, faster time to close. So if that's the case, why would you not want to do more of that? Why would you not want to invest in it? So I kind of see it as like, if you look at it as a bottom up approach, like let's just start getting a couple partners and start doing some things with them, bringing them into deals, bringing them into marketing, and then kind of build it and scale it from there instead of, top down, let me go hire a partner person. They build this giant formal program. Then we got to figure out how to pipe that program into our sales and marketing, start the other way around. Right. And I think that makes it a little bit easier pill to swallow. And people start to realize they have that light bulb moment. Like, Oh, this nearbound strategy is about more than just having a partnerships department. Super cool. I love, um, well, first I think it's a great, anyone listening, when they think about any sort of, uh, go to market motion, marketing, sales, partnerships, whatever, 
Um, think about it as a strategy, not a department, because I think that's also just part of this problem we've experienced so much where we're siloed everyone, right? And um, that's not, you know, we don't, yeah, unfortunately, I, I understand like the scalability and, you know, having like a, an assembly line motion, but um, it usually creates horrible customer experiences. And then, like you said, a partnership idea is something that needs to be embedded. You know, there's so many different ways you can approach it, right? It can be from a marketing angle, from a sales angle, from an, a partner, uh, a product angle, or, you know, post sales and, and through customer success. And so, and then also the leadership from the top, right? Having it like the investment and the willingness to, to uh, have it, you know, actually invest in the long run. And also I appreciate um, what you mentioned too, in regards to just the customers doing what's best, what, what the customer wants. I think what I've learned in, in my career is like, you, you know, trying to tie back to what the customer wants from a go-to-market motion. I think especially B2B has gotten this so wrong where we are extremely selfish in our motives where we like, hey, what's the system that works for us, right? Um, lead gen or whatever it is, right? Hey, that works for us, but does it really make a great customer experience? And if customers want introductions from partners or from other customers or whatever, and that's just, you know, that's the ideal state why not try to match that? Yeah. And um, I think that's where you'll you'll get the best benefit, whatever you're doing. And I think that mindset, any additional thoughts on that? Yeah, no, and it's interesting. I think um, things are thankfully moving in this direction as there's more awareness. I think part of the problem, certainly on the marketing side, has been the attribution, like what we're mm. able to capture easily is not the same as what's actually driving buyer behavior. And mm -hmm. I know if you followed like Chris Walker, or there's some other people out there that talk a lot about this concepts of like dark social demand creation versus demand capture. But it's so, so true that the things that are influencing buyers are things like word of mouth conversations, Slack groups, they're a part of social media, like all of the things that are, they don't show up, they have those conversations, then they go and Google your company by name, land on your site and maybe book a demo or whatever it might be. And what does that get attributed to, right? Organic search, you know, it's like, oh, branded search, oh, Google, like, mm -hmm. and you're not really seeing what's actually happening. So more and more people are aware of this now, and there's more and more people trying to figure out ways to capture this. Um, I mean, we've added like a free forum text field, how did you hear about us? And I love nice. looking at those results. It's amazing. Even when we do partnerships, by the way, we're, we'll do like a joint campaign with someone, okay. a joint event, and we'll give them a UTM so we can see all the people that came from that event. And the UTM will give us, uh, we just had one recently, handful of, handful of leads came through the UTM, double that amount in the freeform text field said, I heard about you through this event. Hmm. So like, and I'm sure there's more that aren't even being captured, but that alone made us realize this event did way more than we would have known just with that tracking link, because that's not the way buyers behave. You don't show up at an event, hear a compelling conversation and then make sure to go click the one specific link that was shared during the event, right? You just, you go look it up later. You Google yeah. it when you have time or you, you know? Um, so I always think that's funny with podcasts. You're a podcaster. It's like, if you're like, go to whatever, whatever slash, mm -hmm. you know, my podcast name, people don't do that, but they are influenced around the product. So I think that's helping more and more people to recognize that like this is happening. Buyer behavior is changing and we have to change with it. Um, so I see that as like a really, I kind of, we're at an exciting, at exciting time. Like everyone is kind of forced to step back and say, what are buyers actually doing? What do they actually mm. care about? Not what works mm. well for our funnel to your point, what is actually benefiting them? And like, that's the question that we got to be chasing. And that's where you start to realize like the reason you partner with people isn't just for the heck of it. It's because buyers trust those people and mm. you'll do better if you partner with people they trust. 
Mm, I love that. And framing it from the customer's point of view. And thanks for tying it back to attribution, because I think that's a big part of it, too, especially with the, you know, there's an element of the a longer game with partnerships, right, compared to maybe like paid media or other forms outbound. Um, so I appreciate you framing that and looking at ways of like self-reported attribution or ways to be able to get those insights to see if it's working and actually know you're getting that lift. I uh, only got a couple minutes left. I love any like hot takes around like pitfalls, things like maybe one or two things you're like the top things you see people just kind of fail when it comes to partnerships that, that you would love for folks to avoid. Yeah, that's a great, that's a really great question. So probably the biggest pitfall is immediately going into, okay, we want to partner with companies. What are we going to, what can we get from them? Right. And it's like, of course you need to get something. Otherwise it's not worth it. But if you go into it thinking like, what can I get from you? Give me your list. Give me your leads. Let's you know, give me some Intel on this deal. Help me close my deals. That's not the way to build trust in the long term, And ultimately you're going to get less out of that partnership. So if you can go in with a give first mindset, and you genuinely, you'll get the first giver advantage. If you're the one to go and say, hey, so even the plays that I mentioned before, Intel, Intros, and Influence, if you can actually initiate that first mm -hmm. and say, hey, I noticed, and by the way, you can set up triggers like informational signals. This is where like data is great as a signal, and then the human touch is great as the way to act on that signal. So for example, you could set up a trigger, um, and we have people do this you know, in the reveal platform where like one of your partners... Uh, if, if one of your customers suddenly switches to a competing vendor or, or signs with a competing vendor, you see that signal, you can, you can message them proactively and say, Hey, heads up. Uh, you know, this, this customer looks like they're, you know, looking at this competitor of yours, just right. Like you can go with Intel. Mm. Hey, I just opened an opportunity here and I saw that they're also an opportunity for you. Like I just talked to this person, maybe we can share notes, maybe we can co-sell, maybe I can help you close that deal. Being able to, to go and help where those partners are a good fit for you, that's like the best way to ensure that they're gonna reciprocate. I mean, if you get an email from someone saying, hey, I noticed that you, know, you just opened an opportunity with this company. We closed them last quarter, a couple things that might be useful for you. you know, let me know if, uh, mm. if you've got some other accounts we can talk about later. You're going to be like, oh, that's freaking awesome. And if this mm. person asks me for Intel, I'll be happy to give it, right? So I think that's a really big one is like give first. I love that. That's so cool. So powerful too. And I think even like if you're thinking about co-marketing, you know, partnerships too, like how do you host a webinar first or how do you like introduce them to your audience first? And I, I think in general, once again, going back to the selfishness, uh, if you can give selflessly and think about your marketing sales, whatever your partnerships is like, hey, how can I help put those deposits into other people's lives? Um, it'll come back uh, tenfold. I'll throw, I'll throw one more quick thought on there, cool. Taylor, Let's do it. Wrap, that on the marketing side, a really fun way to do this is I'd like permissionless, permissionless marketing or permissionless partnering even, where if you're interested in maybe working with a company and you don't even have a formal relationship, you don't even have to wait. You can, you can start just like giving them nice shout outs or tagging them in mm. content or mentioning them in a kind way. And then you can use that as a, as a door to say, Hey, FYI, we're just talking about you, uh, in some content recently and mm. would love to actually do something together. Like that's a really great way to get that relationship started. Just, just literally tagging them in a social post and saying like, I love how this company does this. That can be a great way to start the conversation. So you don't have to wait till you formalize something as a marketer. Again, when your buyers see that, they'll actually trust you more because you're tapping into the trust that mm. those other companies have already built with them. Uh, mm. And that's a, that can be a really cool way to kind of kickstart it. 
Oh, I love that. And you're combining too, once again, you're getting a better end product to the, to the customer. Cause they're like, oh wow, now they're, now I'm able to solve more problems. Now you're like creating almost an ecosystem of solutions. And oh, I love that just shouting out or just giving them, um, yeah, uh, uh, praise and, and, uh, and, uh, free marketing without even, yeah, without the permission. That, that's super cool. That's awesome, Isaac. Well, we're uh, short on time here. Um, tell me about how can folks connect with you, follow you online? Yeah, uh, I'm on LinkedIn, Isaac Morehouse. You can find me there pretty pretty easily. And um, as I mentioned, if you want to look at just tactically how to start implementing some Nearbound stuff, go to nearbound.com. Sweet, Isaac. Thanks so much. We'll put those links in the show notes. Um, thanks again for coming on. Super insightful. I think this concept that like, if there are things that I would like prioritize from like a go-to-market strategy, partnerships is just like, one of the top three of just low-hanging fruit um, of being able to really accelerate uh, efficient growth. So thanks again, Isaac, for coming on. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and we'll see you next week.